Good evening, or early afternoon, I guess it was. Uh, welcome to the Vineyard. Welcome to our Christmas Eve service. We're glad to see you. And uh, let's just begin by uh, standing and singing together, Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. you probably most of you haven't met each other so this would be a great opportunity to turn the person maybe ahead or behind you shake their hand welcome them well good evening everybody welcome to the vineyard merry christmas eve to all of you my name's ben Hare, and my wife tina and i are privileged to serve as the leaders of this crazy crew but uh on behalf of the church family at the vineyard we just like to say thanks for joining us this evening many of you are guests and we just extend you our warm Peoria Vineyard, welcome. Thanks for gracing us with your presence this hour. We know there's a lot of other things you could be doing tonight, so we're just uh, thankful. Appreciate the trust that you have to uh, worship with us tonight. Tonight, we're joining with churches all around the globe in concluding the month-long celebration of Advent. Advent simply means the coming or arrival. In the church, specifically, it refers to the four Sundays uh, preceding Christmas, and for about a thousand years now, the church has used the Advent season to celebrate the true meaning of the holiday, the coming or the arrival of God's Son, Jesus. It's done this through worship and drama, through singing, through scripture reading, through carols, reciting creeds, acts of charity, sharing communion, candle lighting, and even silence. And tonight we'll employ a number of these worship forms as we acknowledge that Jesus really is the good news of great joy. 
We're going to begin by listening to an account of the good news as we read from a very old uh, but reliable manuscript. It's called the Bible, translated from its original languages into English for us. We'll punctuate this reading by singing some of the traditional Christmas carols that spin the Christmas Advent story in slightly different and more memorable ways. And our encouragement for all of you uh, would to would be to just join in singing. Please feel free to belt it out and join in singing the carols. You can feel free to remain seated if you choose. If if you stand, that'd be awesome. Um, if you're prone to kneel, that'd be uh, uh, okay as well. And you can lift your hands, you can clap and whistle and even dance if you're so inclined. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then God created people in his own image, crowned them with honor. God put the man Adam and his wife Eve in the middle of Eden, the earth's original garden, to tend and care for it. But Adam sinned through disobedience, and sin entered the entire human race. His sin spread death through all the world, so everything began to grow old and die, for all sinned. The earth became corrupt in God's sight, and it was filled with violence. How quickly God's people turned away from the path of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. The people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. They followed other gods and refused to give up their evil practices. 2,000 years passed. And then God made a promise to a man named Abraham, and he said, I'm going to bless you so that you may bless all the people on the face of the earth. Look up to the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Your descendants will be just as numerous. And from these descendants, the Deliverer will come. Then still hundreds of years before the birth of Christ, God spoke through two prophets, Jeremiah and Isaiah. And he said, For the time is coming when I will place a branch, a righteous branch, on King David's throne. He shall be a king who will rule with wisdom and justice. He'll do what is just and right throughout the land. He'll cause righteousness to prevail everywhere throughout the earth. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. I will break the chains that bind my people. In that day of peace... Battle gear will no longer be issued. I'll make him a light to the nations of the world to bring my salvation to them. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. These will be his royal titles, wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace." His ever-expanding and peaceful government will never end. He will rule with perfect fairness. He'll bring true justice and peace to all the nations of the world. And the Lord himself will choose the sign. A child shall be born to a virgin, and she shall call him Emmanuel, meaning God is with us.
Now God sent the angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin, Mary, engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her and said, Congratulations, favored lady. May God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken, trying to think what the angel could mean. Mary, you have nothing to fear, the angel reassured her. God has a surprise for you. Very soon now, you'll become pregnant and give birth to a son. You're to name him Jesus. He'll be very great and shall be called the Son of God. His kingdom shall never end. Then Mary asked the angel, but how can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of God will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. You see, nothing is impossible with God. Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's servant, and I'm willing to do whatever he wants. May everything that you've said come true. And then the angel disappeared. Before Mary and Joseph came to the marriage bed, Joseph discovered that she was pregnant. It was by the Holy Spirit, but he didn't know that. Joseph, being a man of stern principle, 
determined to break the engagement, but he decided to do it quietly so Mary would not be publicly disgraced. And as he considered this, he fell asleep and had a dream. God's angel spoke in the dream, Joseph, son of David, don't hesitate to get married. Mary's pregnancy is spirit-conceived. God's Holy Spirit has made her pregnant. She'll have a son, and when she does, you, Joseph, will name him Jesus, meaning God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. This will fulfill God's message through his prophet Isaiah. Watch for this. A virgin will get pregnant and bear a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, Hebrew for God is with us. And then Joseph woke up. He did exactly as God's angel had instructed in the dream. He married Mary, but he did not consummate the marriage until she had the baby. Now, about this time, the Roman emperor, Caesar Augustus, ordered that a census should be taken throughout the empire. Everyone was required to return to their ancestral hometown for this registration. Because Joseph was a member of the royal line, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, King David's ancient home. And so he traveled there uh, from the Galilean village of Nazareth with Mary, his fiancée, who was obviously pregnant by this time. While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the village inn.
That night, some shepherds were in the fields outside the village, guarding their flocks of sheep, when suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the landscape blazed with the glory of God. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I'm here to announce good news of great joy. It's meant for everyone worldwide. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy, oh tidings of comfort and joy. From God our Heavenly Father, a blessed angel came, and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. How that in Bethlehem was born the Son of God by me, oh tidings of This day is born a Savior of virtue, power, and might to free us all from Satan's power. The angel continued, this is what you're to look for. You'll find a baby lying in a manger wrapped in strips of cloth. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the highest heaven, they sang, and peace on earth, goodwill among all people. Yeah. 
As the angel choir withdrew to heaven, the shepherds talked it over and said to each other, Come on, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see for ourselves this wonderful thing that God's told us about. So they ran to the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Glorifying and praising God, they told everyone what had happened and what the angels had said about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story expressed astonishment. But Mary kept all these things to herself, quietly treasuring them in her heart. Dawn of green 
About that time, some astrologers from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the eastern sky that signaled his birth, and we're on a pilgrimage to worship him. King Herod told them to go to Bethlehem. So instructed by the king, they set off. And once again, the star appeared to them. It went ahead of them until it hovered over the place of the child. They were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother. Overcome, they knelt and worshipped him. And then they opened their luggage and presented their gifts to him, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Jesus, may you cause the wonder of this powerful Advent story to break in upon us again this Christmas season. We, we've we heard it many, many times, but we pray that we would not grow dull or weary with repetition or familiarity. Lord, we just thank you that you were willing to leave the splendor of heaven and humble yourself to live among men and to show us the way to the Father. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the truth. And we pray, God, that we would more fully love you, surrender our lives to you, worship you, serve you, trust you, receive the full life that you suggested and that you came for. Yes, Lord, it's in your precious and powerful name that we pray. Amen. Well, at this point in our service, we continue worshiping by receiving an offering. You know, through the centuries, followers of Jesus have continued to to give him their resources, especially uh, to those in need. And at this time, we're going to receive an offering. We're going to continue this tradition. But tonight's offering is a little different in the sense uh, that that 100% of what you give tonight is going to be used in benevolence. We're not using it for our needs. We're going to we're going to use it to the the poor and the needy among us and in our church family and an extended family. And we've had a couple gracious um, church family members who have been willing to offer the to match the first $1,000 that we received tonight as a way of blessing uh, those who um, are in need. So God bless you as you give tonight. Please don't feel any obligation. Um, and just uh, drop your completed Connect cards as, they ca- as the offering box comes down your, uh, your road today. Well, very recently, an embarrassed woman approached me after a church service and said, I hope you didn't take it personally, Pastor, um, when my husband walked out during your sermon. I replied to her that, you know, I, I find it disconcerting, but, you know, lots of reasons. So, hey, no worry. She said, well, the good news is that it wasn't out of any disrespect to you. She said, the bad news is that Fred's been walking in his sleep ever since he was a child. <laughs> Um, Well, it seems like good news is often followed by bad news, doesn't it? In fact, we're often kind of bracing, you know, waiting for the other shoe to drop, aren't we? Uh, we brace for the bad news, you know, when the when the phone rings late at night, or you know, we receive an anonymous note, or you know, we get called into the boss's or the principal's office. Um, I wonder why that is. Maybe it's just because it's 
so often happen to be bad news that we kind of brace for the inevitable. We grow to expect it. And, you know, even the holidays can be good news, bad news, can't they? When we think about it, you know, we decorate our homes and our mantles and our trees and our lights and candles and ornaments, and then you pack and travel to the in-laws. There, <laughs> there's good food and great cookies and your Aunt Nancy's famous peanut brittle, and, and then, you know, old Uncle Earl drinks too much spiked eggnog and says something dumb or stupid or ugly. There's the shopping and the wrapping and the giving and receiving of gifts, and then there's the sticker shock of the visa bill in January. You know, the holidays were, were, were eager and frazzled, were, were both sentimental and yet depressed, were excited and maybe lonely, all mixed together at the same time. And I actually like to think of uh, the Advent in, in its elegant and, and beautiful simplicity uh, is supposed to be celebrated as good news that brings great joy, period. No bad news. No good news, bad news. Good news, great joy, period. Now, we heard tonight in the reading the, the angelic birth announcement to those third shift shepherds. Suddenly, the angel of the Lord appeared among them. The radiance of the Lord's glory appeared. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people because the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem. Good news that brings great joy because the Savior is born. But you know, that first Christmas didn't look like good news at all, considering it was the arrival of God the King on the earth. A lot of unwelcome gossip and accusations against this young, unmarried Jewish couple. A tax census that required a long, rough ride to their ancestral hometown at a time when everybody knows an expectant mother shouldn't travel, right? No vacancies, no midwife, no doctor when she went into labor, a feeding trough for a nursery. And his arrival went almost totally unnoticed in the towns and cities and villages of the whole world as it rushed forward in the channels of its everyday ordinary behavior. Contrast that with the worldwide gush of excitement now that William and Kate are expecting. Right? I mean, news that the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge are expecting a baby brought congratulations from the entire world as we can hardly wait till they have their baby. Not so with Jesus the King. The simple and powerful message of Advent is this. Jesus the Savior was born, and that is good news. That brings great joy. Because the help that mankind so desperately needed and God's faithful remnant had been waiting for was the kind of help that only God himself could have provided. You see, we are bound up in sin. We are living under the curse of the law. We're alienated from God. We've inherited the fallenness of our spiritual foreparents, Adam and Eve. And what we needed is not the kind of change that comes through sheer willpower or determination, through gritting our teeth and turning over a new leaf and making a New Year's resolution. No, we need a brand new life. We need God to set things right again. We need his love, his mercy, his power. And that's just what happened when, in the words of the, of, of the Apostle John, God became human 
and lived here on earth among us. John 1.14. Jesus really is good news. Jesus is always good news. Our church family has heard me say it this way before. If you receive Jesus as anything other than good news, then it's not the historical biblical Jesus that whose arrival the angels announced on that first Advent night. Jesus is good news. I like how Jesus described this simple and powerful truth in his own words recorded for us in John's Gospel, the third chapter, the 16th verse, using Eugene Peterson's translation from the message. This is how much God loved the whole world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. See, Jesus came to give us not the American dream life, not the life of the rich and the famous, but a whole and lasting life, the real life of his kingdom. And so when we welcome Jesus into our lives, his kingdom comes, and he begins to go to work, setting things to right, to restore things back to the way that God the Father had intended all along. And that's the good news that brings great joy. Jesus desires for every single one of you and those that you know and love to have great joy. That's what moved him to leave the splendor of heaven, humble himself, and enter our suffering as a human being. The mystery and beauty and power of the incarnation. Jesus desires for us to have great joy. That's what moved him to endure the cross. Jesus desires for us to have great joy. And that's what moved him to rise from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus desires for us to have great joy. And that's what moved him to ascend to the Father and to patiently wait for people in all cultures, in every age, to turn from sin and selfishness and to follow him. Jesus desires for us to have great joy. And that's what fuels his desire for each one of us to be fully, completely satisfied and alive as a human being as we fulfill his destiny for each of our lives. He desires us to have great joy, and that's what will compel him to come a second time in the second advent, to come for us as his people when he'll sum up and bring to completion his kingdom, and then he'll recreate the heavens and the earth. And then those of us who are his children will live in his presence forever. And so, my friends, in, the, in this next year, 2013, in the rhythm of your life, in the rhythm of things that are, that are good and bad, in good times and bad times, in joy and sorrow, in blessing and in struggle, in success and failure, in sickness and in health, in sacrifice and plenty, in anxiety and in peace. In all of these times, let's just remember that God desires for us to experience the good news as great joy when we embrace Jesus, the Savior. To conclude tonight, I thought it might be fitting in joining with the larger church in confessing the Nicene Creed. Uh, it's about... Uh, well, it was crafted originally in the 300s, so it's, you know, it's got a few years. It succinctly retells 
the great Christmas story, the good news of great joy, penned under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's written in your program, and you can follow along on the screen as well. Let's confess this out loud together. Why don't we stand for this? We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And amen. May those words ring true in our lives, in our church family, and in our uh, extended relationships. Lord, may, may these words ring true. Well, as we conclude our service tonight, we're going to light our candles as a testimony to uh, the power of the Advent story, as we've uh, heard and sung about tonight. And in many ways, as we light candles, and you'll light the candle of the person next to you, it, it is in some ways, uh, it serves as a witness for the, the light of God, the gospel of Christ, dawning in the world. And you'll witness as the, as the light in the, in the room begins to grow and expand in the same way, God's light dawned on the world in the coming of the Messiah.
day when we are with you, praising your name forever and forever. All of human history is rushing towards that grand climax of the worship service around your throne. People from every nation, tribe, tongue, and language worshiping you, our Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the powerful truths of the Christmas story. Thank you for the hope and life that it brings. We pray that you would now fill us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, touch our lives, touch our families, touch our church community, touch the the communities that are represented, sending us from this place, Lord, helping people follow you and find real life. Lord, we just give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor as we've sung. Lord, put your blessing on the balance of our holiday season. Let us live uh, joyfully and humbly as we embrace the good news of great joy. In your precious and powerful name we pray. Amen.